again, we're in this series called Culture, and I'm kind of depressed this morning because we are going to be wrapping this up in about two weeks. We've been in the Sermon on the Mount for a long time uh, it's because we just can't get it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> There's just a lot of stuff packed in there. And the more you get in it, and the more you... I mean, we could have spent a lot longer time in there. Uh, just a lot of really good stuff as Jesus teaches uh, the people what his kingdom... Uh, what the people of his kingdom will look like. And it's very challenging to us. And, and that's a good thing. The Holy Spirit's been very much a part of our services here as we've been focusing in on, on the Sermon on the Mount. Today we're going to look at um, asking and seeking and knocking. So if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 7... Uh, verse, I think it's verse 1 that we're going to be looking at. Actually, verse 7. I'm going to throw it on the screen for you, but if you would turn there, and then I'm going to take us to another couple passages uh, that I'm going to take a look at this morning. But we're going to look at it from the English Standard Version. If you, Some of you may have an NIV. It's very, they're very close. Uh, and then we're going to look at the message. I think the, Eugene Peterson does a really uh, cool job in, in uh, giving us another perspective through his paraphrase, the message. But in uh, chapter 7, starting with verse 7, Jesus begins to teach, again teach and he says that, about prayer, and he says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Uh, Now let's take a look at that same passage of Scripture found in the message. And it says this, Don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. This isn't a cat-and-mouse hide-and-seek game we're in. If your child asks for bread, do you trick him with, a, with sawdust? If he asks for fish, do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? As bad as you are, you wouldn't think of such a thing. You are at least decent to your own children, so don't you think the God who conceived you in love will be even better? Now, as we begin to t- do this message, I'm going to share with you a couple of thoughts here, but I'm going to flip over to Luke chapter 18. So you need to turn there with me. I don't have this on our scripture. Actually, Luke chapter 11. I don't have this on the screen. So you need to turn over there with me. And we're going to look at uh, verses 5 through 13. It's interesting how, hopefully we're all familiar with the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, They're each written, they each kind of say the same thing, but it's through the perspective of the, the, the author uh, that, that, that it differs. And Matthew's written to the Jews, so some of the things, that, as he shares the stories of Jesus and the things that happen, he's going to give a Jewish slant to it, things that would a Jewish person would really connect with. Uh, Luke, being Greek, it's going to come more from, a, you know, from the Greek perspective. But as you, a synoptic means same, and so as they look at this, you have, you have stories that are very similar, but sometimes a little bit different. In Matthew, we read about this passage in the Sermon on the Mount, which is a little bit later if we're kind of looking at the Bible and the way the Bible's kind of put together. We find this passage a little bit later after the Lord's Prayer, okay? In Luke, Luke records the Lord's Prayer, and then right after that, he goes into this ask, seek, knock. And it's very interesting. So I'm going to look at Luke's perspective here for a second. 
and share with you another as, as he comes out of the Lord's Prayer. He says this, And he said to them, Which of you, or it's another story, he says, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother, the door is now shut, my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is the friend, because he is friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your father, to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, I, I, I want to share this with you before we get into to kind of our, to our text, because I think it gives a lot of context to what we're going to talk about today. Jesus is talking about prayer on the backside of the Lord's Prayer, okay? He goes through the Lord's Prayer kind of, he goes through the Lord's, in Luke, he goes through the Lord's Prayer, and then he begins to talk about this ask, seek, and knock is the way Luke records it. Now, in order to understand this passage, we really need to understand the culture a little bit better, okay? And so, uh, as we look at the culture, there was an individual by the name of Kenneth Bailey who spent 40 years in Lebanon. And as he was in Lebanon, the things he picked up with the culture, he, began to, he, he talks about this bread concept. For, for their culture to ask for some bread, their bread would be considered like, our, in a Western mindset, the, us Westerners would be like silverware, okay? Meaning that they use bread like we use silverware. They would take a piece of bread, which when we do communion, I've heard many of you, when we come up and dip it, many of you that really grosses out, you know? In this culture, that's how they, they used bread as like silverware. So they would take a piece of bread and they would take it and they would kind of dip it into the vegetables or the, or the uh, meat and stuff like that and they would kind of use it as silverware, right? Okay. Here's, so, therefore, when a guy in this situation, he's having some guests come over to his house, he goes to the cupboards, he doesn't have anything, Right? So he goes and he begins to ask his neighbors for some food. Now, this would have been very acceptable. In fact, when Jesus tells this story, his audience would have laughed. His audience would have found it very hysterical because as Jesus is describing this, he says this guy doesn't have any food, so he goes to his neighbor, which is completely acceptable in that culture. It's a very communal culture, okay? And so he would go and he would ask his neighbors for some bread, which essentially what the guy was asking for was a meal, in a sense, okay? He doesn't have anything and he needs to prepare a meal for guests, so he's essentially going to his neighbors and saying, I need you to provide me a meal. I need you to provide me some bread, or, or almost like a meal. Kenneth Bailey, when he was in Lebanon for 40 years and, began, and lived in this culture, this context, he, he talked about it and he said this, he said there were times when he would accept, his family would accept an invitation to someone's house and they would go to, the, his ha to that person's house and end up eating from like some of the same dishes that his cook would fix or fixed. What happened was this house over here didn't have some food or whatever, so they circled around, got food that his cook actually would cook and he's eating really his own stuff that he would eat at home, right? That's how that circulate, triangulate, okay? Now the point of this is, 
And this is why it's so humorous to their audience. Is Jesus, it was just, it was a ridiculous thing because that is how they operated in that culture. Very communal. So for a friend to say, you know, for him to set up this whole story and say there was this guy who went out, he didn't have any food, he went out to a friend and he knocks on the door and he says, I need some food. I have a guest coming. I need some bread. I need some food. And for the guy hearing the knock saying, go away. I'm already laying down. I'm sleeping. I'm in, you know, I'm in, and over there we don't have, they didn't have the 2,500 foot square, or square foot homes and things like that. So there, it would have been more of just kind of a one room house or whatever. I'm with my family. We're asleep. Go away. And the guy keeps beating on the door like, come on, give me some food. I need some food. My guests are coming. The guy's like, go away. What would have been hilarious to the culture in which Jesus told this story was if someone would ever send someone away like that, they would almost be outcast in their community, right? So to, the, to this culture or to this, this audience that Jesus was teaching, it was absurd. It was absolutely absurd that anyone would ever turn away someone that was, seeking, that was seeking food because that's how their culture operated. And then Jesus goes on to say this, though. And this is the point that he's making. He's saying, this guy, it's not because you're his friend that this guy would, that would have gotten up. It's not because of that. But it's because you were, that this individual was so stinking persistent. Right? He keeps beating on the door and beating on the door and saying, I need some food. And the guy's like, go away, go away. And Jesus is saying, it's not because this guy would have been a friend to get up and, and give him food, but he's saying, what this really comes down to is the boldness, is the shameless boldness, the persistence of the guy beating on the door to the point to where the guy just says, all right, all right, I'll get up and give him bread. Now, again, his audience would have heard that as kind of comical because no one would have ever turned away anybody. But Jesus is making a point here, and perhaps that's why Luke records it here to say there's a, there's a sharp contrast between this guy in here that's going to turn away, that's going to turn away a friend, that's going to answer this knock versus God the Father. And he goes on to make the point, God the Father is so much more loving and, and, and that's why, you know, uh, uh, theologians have suggested, that's why Luke recorded this, is to say, that again, that, that, um, this, it, that it, again, sharply contrasts this guy with God. The psalmist says this, The God who watches over us will never sleep in slumber. The God who watches over you will not slumber. So it's that indication that says, it, you know, it says that we go to God and God's going to hear our prayers. We ask and God's going to listen. We're persistent. We keep coming back with our prayers. God is persistent. God is not going to turn us away. God's not going to make us continue to you know, stand there and beat down the door. But Jesus is also saying something here, pointing it out, saying that there's something about persistence. There's something about this thought of persistence. Now, as we take a look at that and begin to transition into the passage that we're looking at, um, uh, here in a few moments, we're going to look at this ask, seek, and knock. But it's this concept of persistence that pays off. There's this concept of persistence that continually pays off. Can you think of other stories within the Bible where persistence paid off? 
Just shout out a couple. You think of any stories? Job. Job? Okay. What else? Others? Moses? I'm sorry, I got a mint my throat. I've got the whole seasonal thing going on, so. Exactly. Moses, Noah, some of these others. Absolutely. In the New Testament, we read about, and we're going to look at the woman with the judge. Remember that story? We're going to take a look at that. A couple other ones that I just kind of jotted down was, how about Mary and Martha? Remember the whole Lazarus thing? Now, again, you know, it said that Jesus tarried, and it was probably to make a point, but as Jesus went there, they're like, man, if you would have just been here. And they just kind of kept on and on because they were obviously moved by grief. They lost their brother to the point where Jesus became kind of emotional, didn't he? Isn't that the place where Jesus wept? You know, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. But you have Mary and Martha. How about, you know, we talked about, how about the Canaanite woman with her daughter? Let's take a look at that real quick. Matthew 15, if you turn there with me. Matthew 15, the Canaanite woman. This is another example of someone being persistent, where persistence paid off. And throughout Scripture, Jesus gives, there's these stories, and Jesus gives these stories, and there's real-life situations, parables and real-life situations, of people being persistent, and their persistence paid off. In uh, Matthew chapter 15, verse 21, it says, And Jesus went from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and uh, Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman... It's very, let's be specific here. Canaanite was not a Jew, uh, a Canaanite was not a Jew, right? So this isn't even someone that's a Jew. Um, and we're going to see that that plays in there. But this is a foreigner. This is someone that's not part of the Jewish race, not coming to, you know, she's, she's a foreigner. And, and behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But... He did not answer a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, listen to what his disciples said. There's this woman that's coming. Her daughter has a demon. She is very distraught about it. She's coming to Jesus for answers. And she's saying, Gee, you, know, do, you need to do something about this. He, he doesn't even comment. His disciples begin to beg Jesus. And look what they say. Send her away, for she is crying out after us. Hey, Jesus, this lady is getting on our nerves. We're tired of hearing her. Could you please send her away? It says here in the ESV that she, they begged him uh, to send her away before she is crying out after us. And he answered, and listen to his words, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of what? Of who? Israel, the Jews. Jesus is saying, hey, you're not even a Jew. I'm not even really sent to deal with you. That sounds kind of harsh, doesn't it? sounds cold. Instead of the lady leaving, it says, uh, but she came and she knelt before him and she said, Lord, help me. She wouldn't give up. <laughs> She's getting on the nerves of the disciples. He kind of brushes her off. She won't give up. She comes to him. She kneels down and she's saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, is it not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs? Wow, does that sound cold? And she says, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then look what Jesus answered and said, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Persistence. Persistence. She's not getting what she wants. 
She's coming to Jesus. She knows that Jesus is different. She's coming to Jesus. She's not even part of the Jewish race. And here we have this whole story. He doesn't even talk to her initially. The disciples come to Jesus after a while and say, This woman is getting on our nerves. Can you send her away? She forcefully comes in. She kneels down before him. And she says, You've got to heal my daughter. She has a demon. He says, I didn't even come to, I didn't even come to minister to you guys. And, she, and, he, you know, and he talks about the, you know, the, 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 the scraps. And, the, and then she's, and she's persistent. She won't give up. She's persistent. And because of her persistence, Jesus looks. He reaches down and he heals her and he heals the daughter. And, and instantly it says her daughter was healed. There's something about persistence. One more thing. You remember the whole story with the guy who was a cripple and he had his friends? Remember Jesus was teaching in a house? Remember that story? So they come to the house and they know that if Jesus could just touch him, he would be, he would, he would be restored to health. He couldn't walk. Remember he was on a mat? So he has, he has four friends, which says a lot about the friends because they were extremely persistent, right? Because they get to the house and what, what, what's, what's happening? Jesus is inside teaching and what? It's crowded. It's packed, right? There's people all over the place. So instead of looking at it and saying, there's no way. We never can get this guy in. What do they do? Yeah, they go up on the roof and what do they do? They cut a hole in somebody's roof. I don't know about you, but it's like, I would like to have friends like that if I ever get in that type of need. They go up and cut a hole. For some reason, I think we check out and we say, that's a great Bible story, isn't it? Guys, that would have been just as crazy to do now as it was then. Who would cut a hole in someone else's roof and lower the guy? I mean, here's Jesus. I'm not Jesus, but let's say Jesus is talking, right? He's talking to people and all of a sudden his body comes down in front of everybody, right? Persistence. Persistence because they knew if they could get their friend in front of Jesus, Jesus could do something. And Jesus healed the guy not only physically, but he also healed him spiritually too, right? Extremely powerful. And in this passage that we're looking at today, Jesus is teaching us that, I believe. Jesus is saying, ask, seek, and knock. All of those things are action things. It's not just saying, I'm just going to sit back and hopefully it happens. Hopefully Jesus does something. Hopefully my daughter becomes a Christian. Hopefully my son comes to faith. Hopefully my wife will be healed. Hopefully my marriage will be restored. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. It's not that way at all. He's teaching, ask, seek, knock. Because this, our Father that we pray to, the Father that we're going to, the one that we're asking of, that we're seeking, that we're knocking, this guy's not like someone that's going to give... This isn't like someone that's going to give what? You know, a snake or something ridiculously crazy to someone. This is someone that loves us so much more than anybody else that we've ever experienced loving us. And Jesus is saying, ask, seek, knock, be persistent, be persistent, be persistent. And it pays off. As we look at this passage, I want to, <coughs> excuse me, I want to share with you a couple thoughts about this. Number one, ask. Ask, can we all agree that ask implies humility? How many of us struggle with asking? There are times where it's amazing human behavior. I will not ask. Why? Because it makes me look stupid? It, made me, it makes me look like I don't know what I'm, ta- what I'm doing? I should know this stuff? There's, there's no way I'm going to ask. That, isn't that part of it? It's like a pride thing, right? 
ask cuts to the core and demonstrates humility. When we go to God, man, we're going to God and we're asking and it demonstrates this humility. It brings this, this awareness of one's need. I'm in a situation or you're in a situation or whoever's in a situation where we don't know something. You know, men, we, you know, men probably the best invention for men ever is the GPS, right? Because, man, we won't stop and ask for directions, right? In fact, have you ever noticed, men, back in the day, remember, if we were lost, what would we do? And we would drive faster, right? I'm lost, and I'm going to get there faster, too, man. You know, you just get, you get ticked off, man. I'm not stopping for directions. I'll just keep going. And you just keep driving, and you get faster and faster and faster. And it's like, why? You know? Pull off to the side of the road. Hey, man, I'm lost. So the GPS comes, and it's like, thank God. This is a miracle for, for men, man. We don't have to stop. before. You know, we don't get lost at all now. I get so mad, real quick, I get so upset with my father. They come out and visit us last week. You probably met, you met some met them at the, at the party, and they were here at church. But I'll talk to my mom on the phone or something as they're coming out, and I'm like, well, you know, what's your GPS say? Well, we didn't bring it. What? Why would you not bring a GPS? You have a GPS. Why would you leave it at home? Well, we've been out there before. We know how to get there. I'm just like, am I going to be this way when I get older like that? <laughs> That doesn't make sense to me. I bought a GPS, but I'm not going to use it. It's like that is God next to Jesus Christ. That's ultimately man's greatest device, right? Man, okay, that's enough. Off that soapbox. Anyhow, but it's this persistence and asking, asking for some reason for some of us. It's, it's like we take it so personal. It's like, it's like man, it, it indicates, and maybe that's why it's so powerful that it implies humility, that we're coming and we're asking. And what does it mean when we ask what it means? It's, it's exactly what it means. It's acknowledging to God. It's saying, hey, God, I can't fix my marriage. God, I can't fix the way I'm parenting. I can't fix this relationship that I have with my son or my daughter, and I'm really screwing it up. God, <laughs> I've got someone in my life that I've been praying for, and I, I can't, they're not, they don't know you. They're not turning their heart to you. They're making crazy decisions. They're turning their back on you, and I don't want to see them separated from your love. God, I can't, I can't restore this. I can't fix this. I, can't, I don't know how to deal with this situation. That's what asking is. It's coming into the presence of God in a humble, contrite state. You know, and oftentimes when we pray, I'm not saying we have to do this every time, but a lot of times, you know, we bow our heads, right? Some of us will get down on our knees, right? Some of us will, you know, in fact, some people will, will lay just flat out. And what it is, it's this, it's this, it's this posture, of hum, this physical posture of humility that says, I, I need help. I need help. Ask. Jesus says, ask. You have a Father that loves you. We talked about that, you know, in the Lord's Prayer. We have a Father that absolutely adores us and loves us. Seek. Now, this is another one. Ask, and then we seek. Seek is asking plus acting. It implies earnest petitioning. But that alone is not sufficient. But it implies this earnest petitioning. I'm going to ask, and I'm not going to stop until, I, until God moves. I'm not stopping until God moves. 
I'm going to keep on keeping on. I'm going to keep pressing. I'm going to be persistent. I'm going to seek. I'm going to continually act upon this. And I'm going to seek acting. It's asking plus acting. Listen to what Jeremiah says in this next slide. It says He says this. Or, through the prophet Jeremiah, he says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will what? I will listen to you. This is our Father in heaven. I, ha- I know, back up, for I know the plans I have for you. You see, this comes in, this whole asking thing, again, comes into, real quick, I failed to tell this to you, but asking, and maybe this is why we struggle with it, asking implies an inferior and a superior entities, right? When I'm coming and I'm asking, I'm inferior to your superior superiority. And maybe that's why we struggle with it so much. Because I don't know, you know, so there's this inferior part and then there's this superior part. That really kind of holds true. It's saying this, for I know the plans I have for you. When we read this, it's like, okay, God knows. God loves me. The Father absolutely loves me. And he says, I have my plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. He goes on to say this, you will seek me. And this is, this is, this is powerful right here. You will seek me and you'll never ever find me. Right? You will seek me and I will be so elusive. You will seek me and I will be so... There's no way you're ever going to be, be able to get a hold of me. It's not what it says. God says, you will seek me and you will find me. And when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Maybe the reason why some of us don't find God is because we're really not earnestly seeking him. Can we make that assumption? Correlation? Maybe for some of us the way we struggle is because we're not truly in that position where we're asking and we're seeking. We're not truly looking. Because God says, I'll be found by you. You come and you search for me and you come with me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. Now he's talking, goes back into the, the, them being in captivity in Babylon. He says, I will gather you from the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. But it's this concept that as we ask and as we seek with all of our hearts, that we will find God, that God will make himself known to us, and he will allow us to find him. You know, for a lot of us, guys, you know, we live in the age of grace. We live in the age of the cross. And here's the issue. There's times where it feels like God is distant when, you know what, a lot of times it's, it's God's never moved. We've moved. And God says, oh, I'm right here. You will find me. But you've got to seek me with all your heart. So there's this concept of ask. See, there's this concept of inferiority, or being inferior to superior. There's this concept of asking plus acting, which is equal seeking. And then the last one is this, knock. Knock which equals asking plus acting plus what? Persevering. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not stopping. I will not stop. I will, I will be relentless. I am not leaving this place until I find you, God. Until you answer my prayer. Um, 
In this next passage, we're going to take a look at in Luke 18, if you want to turn there with me. It's the passage of the, of the woman and the judge. Remember that whole story? In, um, in Luke 18... Verse 1, Jesus again is talking about this whole concept of acting and see, or, uh, asking and seeking and knocking, you know, persistence, persistence, persistence. And he, he, he tells them this parable and he says this. And he told them a parable to the, to the effect that they, ought, that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge that neither feared God. So this, guy, this, this, guy, this guy's not, not a... God-fearing individual. He's not one of God, but he's, he's a judge, okay? There was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. That would be the worst type of judge you would want to go to, right? He didn't respect God, nor did he respect men. He didn't fear God, nor did he respect man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. The judge is getting irritated, right? The judge is like, I don't really care about God. I don't really respect man. I don't care about any of those things. But the one thing I do care about is this woman that's literally getting on my nerves. I want her to go away. What is it that you want? Because I want you to go away. Now, let's be very careful here. Because the point of it is, it's not that this is how we're comparing God to this judge. In a way we are, but it's not like God is like this judge, because Jesus would go on to say this. Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on this earth? So what the author here is saying, what Luke is trying to point out is, God's not, he's not comparing, or he's not saying that God's like this judge. What he's saying is, this judge is completely off base. Completely off base. And when we go to God, we don't have to, you know, we don't have to continue to beg God or anything like that. But persistence does pay off. As the worship team comes back, we're going to, we're going to, um, have a couple more songs here as we begin to wrap up our service. But I want to close our time here uh, with a message, with a prayer. I know for some of us sitting in here, some of us have been dealing with things, maybe a sickness, where at this point maybe you're ready to give up. Something physical taking place in your life where you're tired, you're, you're, you're emotionally zapped, and it's like, what's the use? And you're ready to give up. And, and, and this morning, I just want to encourage you to say, it's about persistence. It's about persistence. It's about persistence. It's about persistence. There's stories throughout church history where we read about the men and women of the faith who stayed consistent. We go back and read and reflect upon the, 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 the awesome revivals that took place throughout America and Europe. It was persistence. It was man fasting and praying and being persistent persistent that God would move, that God would manifest himself in a certain way that would just powerfully change the hearts of men and women. Go back and read some of these guys. Go back and read Jonathan Edwards and uh, some of these other individuals that played such a key role 
in that, where they just, they cried out to God and they stayed persistent. Even, even uh, more in contemporary, uh, in the 50s or so, when you read about Finney, and you read about um, D.L. Moody, and you read about these other guys who were just so much a part of God manifesting himself down and them seeing lives, life after life after life changed for the glory of God. That didn't happen overnight. That didn't happen by coincidence. It happened by man coming before God, asking and seeking and knocking. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you got something physically taking place like we talked about. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you, like we've been talking, you have someone in your life that you've been praying for for so long to receive the salvation of Jesus Christ. Don't give up. Stay persistent. Maybe you have a loved one that's going astray. Maybe you have a marriage that's on the rocks. Whatever it is, whatever you're dealing with this morning, stay persistent. Ask, seek, and knock. You know what the cool thing is? There are some of you, including myself, that are in this room because someone stayed persistent. I remember when I was in college, I strayed off the path and I knew that the way I was living was not right. I knew that's not how I was raised. I was miserable. I was under conviction, but it was just that time of life and my immaturity spiritually and, and, and emotionally and mentally. I just, I, that was the path I was choosing. I didn't want to go home because I knew my mom and my dad would just, I would feel even more guilty. Not that they would apply guilt on me, but I knew what I was doing was not right. And I remember my mom telling me, She would wake up in the middle of the night with a heavy burden to pray for my soul. I'm convinced that I would not be standing here today. Believe me, I'm not perfect and you know that. But I believe it was because of my mother, my grandmother, and an aunt that stayed persistent in prayer that I'm able to stand here today. There are some of you sitting here this morning that you are sitting in here right now because someone loved you enough to stay persistent and pray for your soul. There are people in your lives right now, I'm convinced of it, there are people that, that, that are straying from God that need you to ask, to seek, and to knock, and to stay persistent for them to pray them back into the kingdom or pray them into the kingdom. I don't know what you may be dealing with in here this morning. It may be one of the things I mentioned. There may be something else within your life that you're dealing with where this message has got to come clear and strong to you to stay persistent, to continue to ask, to continue to knock, and to continue to seek. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Satan wants you to get discouraged. We know that he can't do anything to God. We know that the scripture teaches, Paul tells us in Romans, that nothing can snatch us out of the hand of God. Evil cannot prevail over us because we are children of his. We are his children. But let's be honest, Satan can make it hell in our lives, right? We can become so discouraged. We can become so distracted. Guys, We've got to stay persistent. We've got to continue to ask, to seek, to knock. Ask, seek, knock. Stay persistent. 
I want to close with a word of prayer. If there are some of you in here this morning that have some things that, that's, that we've talked about, that when I talk about staying persistent, it automatically comes to your mind. If you would like to come forward, I want to pray for you. I want to pray over us all. But if there are some things in your life that you would love to just come, and, and by coming forward, it's more of this thing where you're saying, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this to you, God, and I'm going to stay persistent. I'm going to stay persistent. Would you please just get up right now, come forward, and let's just have a prayer. It may be for someone that you love. It may be for you personally. It may be for a physical situation. It may, it, regardless of what it is, what is it that's on your heart right now that you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you need to stay persistent. If you want to come and pray, I would, I would love to just pray over you. So please come right now if you would, and then we're gonna, I'm going to lead us into a word of prayer. And then we're going to continue our worship time with a song and, and a time of response. So please just come forward. people are coming forward, the, the rest of us, if you just bow your heads and your hearts before our Heavenly Father, let's just come to a surrendered posture before Him. Father, we come to You not as this judge that we read about that doesn't, that has no, that doesn't care or someone who won't get up from their slumber to help meet our needs, but we're coming to a Father that absolutely adores us and loves us, and that has our best interest at your heart. And Father, we come to you right now with heavy hearts, with maybe burdens right now. They may be physical things that we've been praying for. Father, with things that we've experienced, a diagnosis that we've received, something we maybe have been struggling with for how, Father, we come to you and we ask that you would just meet our needs. We know that you will, but we're coming and we're asking and we're, we're knocking and we're seeking. We're staying persistent and we're giving it to you and we're asking that you would meet that need. Father, there may be some coming that has addictions in their lives that, that they can't shake and they're tired of dealing with it and they keep coming to you. And Father, I pray that you would just meet them, that you would allow them to feel a sense of, of release from this bondage that they've been experiencing. Father, for those maybe they're coming and they have a loved one in their life that doesn't know you or has strayed away from you. Father, we are coming into your presence and we are placing them at your feet and we're asking and we're knocking and we're seeking and we will stay persistent. We will not give up because we know that you will answer our prayers. And we're giving it to you and we're saying that we can't do anything about these things. We're acknowledging that we can't make these individuals come to know you. We know that we can't break these addictions by ourselves. We know that we can't make ourselves whole. We know that we can't mend our marriages. We know that we can't restore relationships with our children or with our wives or with other individuals on our own. All these things, we cannot do this on our own. You teach us in the scripture that when we stay connected to you, that's when fruit's going to appear in our lives. That's when things are going to happen. And Father, we're coming to you in humble surrender and adoration of you through the blood of Jesus Christ asking knocking and seeking that you would hear our prayers and we know that you will and we know that you do and we know that you're answering them now as we pray but we just we're coming and giving these things to you once again and we're committing 
to you right now this sense of persistence as the scriptures teach and we are not going to give up and the rest of our body we're going to be lifting each other up in prayer and praying for one another even though we may not know the situations or events that may be happening in other people's lives we know that they're human just like we are and that we all struggle and we all have our issues so Father we're coming to you asking knocking and seeking And we commit all this to you. We give it all to you. And we give you great thanks and praise and glory for your son, Jesus Christ. That we may come into your presence. That we don't have to feel abandoned. We don't have to feel lonely. We don't have to feel isolated. We don't have to feel like an outcast. But Father, we're coming to you knowing that we will receive this unconditional love regardless of what's taking place in our lives. And so we come into your presence through the, through the access and blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. In his name we pray and lay all these things to you right now. Amen and amen.